This is Thoughts from the Metal Cavern, where only one opinion matters, and it's not yours. So we've reached the end of round four of the NRL season, and things have started to settle into place. Have there been some surprise packets? Yes, there have. Has there been some obvious points as well? My word there has. Would you say the season is over for some teams already? That's a soft yes at this stage. On today's program, we'll take a look back at the results for round four and how the teams are stacking up to their start to the season. Our talking point today has a look at forward passes and whether this part of the game is ignored for some teams and not so much for others. And then we'll check out the road ahead into round five and see if we can't pick a few winners for a change. All of that's coming up on this episode of In League with the NRL, right here on Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. The weekly wrap-up. So how many of you watched all of the games from last weekend? I think I saw pretty much all of them. And anyone who watched the Thursday night clash between the Titans and the West Tigers saw what was indisputably the worst game of rugby league in the NRL era. And we're talking 25 years, and it could go further back than that. But, of course, we didn't get to see every game back in those days. But this was the worst game, and the only comparison I come up to with this is the Broncos-Cowboys grand final, which everyone raves about, but was a terrible game of football until the final five minutes, and then went into extra time, and suddenly everyone said, oh, it's the greatest grand final ever. Rubbish. Second worst game ever, now, after this one, because this was an abomination. Drop ball, terrible passing, uh, missed tackles, no attack. Defence was just a heap of crap. And they can't blame the ground because the ground was just brilliant up there at Seabus Stadium. It was in perfect nick considering all the rain they'd had. And everything that everyone's going to remember is the fact that the Tigers led this game 6-2 with, what, 90 seconds to go. And then the Titans' final run and the kick that surely had to be a kick that then hit the uprights. Bounced away from the fullback, Dane Laurie, and the Titans dived on it to score. Kicked the goal, win the game. And the Tigers go 0-4. and (laughs) And you really had to fool the Tigers. And you looked up at um, Madge there in the the coach's box after that game, and that was the face of a defeated man. (laughs) I mean, he had nothing to go with if they'd won the game, really, but the fact that they lost and didn't get two points either... Oh, dear, oh dear. So Tigers, none and four, and they they don't look good. And the Titans, who started off so well the season, are two and two now, but should probably be one and three, and their season would have been a massive problem as well. 
Friday night's game honestly wasn't that much better. The first game, Sharks against the Knights. The Knights were very, very average. Uh, Kalen Ponga returned from injury and did absolutely nothing. And the Sharks ended up winning that game 18-0 after leading 8-0 at halftime. And there's nothing more you can say about that game. I don't think the Sharks were that good, but they, again, did enough to win. And at the moment, that's all they're doing, I think, just doing enough to win. Uh, early days in Craig Fitzgibbon's coaching regime, but I think he's still got a lot to work on there. The Friday night game was the grand final replay between the Panthers and the Rabbitohs. Now, this was a, a pretty good game, really, and uh, I think the Rabbitohs were probably in it a little bit more than they could have been. It was 12-6 at half time to the Panthers, and I think everyone thought, well, in the second half, the Rabbitohs will come out and, and put on a show, but... It was the Panthers who just ground them out and, and had most of the ball and did everything right to win that game. And they ended up winning 26-12, to 12, which is a disappointing loss for the Rabbitohs because uh, they are now struggling a little bit this season. However, we'll see how they go. One and three, it's not over, but it's certainly not the start they were looking for. Panthers, of course, were undefeated and well on their way to winning back-to-back premierships and playing in three grand finals in a row, which would be something because that hasn't been done very often. Saturday's footy was, well, it was a mixed bag too. The three o'clock game, which of course is the first game where people try to get buried, was between the Warriors and the Broncos. It was up there at, uh, at Redcliffe at Morton Daly Stadium at Redcliffe. And the Broncos, who started the season winning their first two games and carrying on as if they were going to be newly crowned champions, well, they were behind 16-6 at half time and couldn't do anything in the second half. In fact, neither team could. It was 20-6 at full time. It was a largely forgettable game, apart from the fact that the Warriors proved to be too good for a Broncos team who felt as though they were on the rise. And the fact that the Broncos are now 2-2 two and two, uh, pretty much and uh, alongside the Warriors on that, on that but uh, behind them on uh, percentage, makes you think that uh, perhaps the, the great uh, Kevin Walters uh, coaching regime up there is quite as good as they thought it might have been a couple of weeks ago. The 5.30 game was between the Seagulls and the Raiders, and that was out at Mudgee. It was a, a good affair, an open affair. Uh, I think... People were hoping, or certainly Canberra Raiders fans were hoping that uh, they would be able to stick it to the Seagulls. Well, they didn't, and it was a four tries to one caning, really. Uh, 25 to 6 was the final score. It was only 10 6 at half time, and the Raiders were right in it. But the second half, the Seagulls uh, just seemed to do everything right. Uh, they didn't uh, give up the ball easily. Canberra just gave up the ball far too much in every position, like in defence and in attack, and they just uh, couldn't go with the Seagulls at all. However, big news in the Seagulls camp, given that they have struggled a little bit this year, again, they're 2-2, two and two, and people were thinking that they might be right up there this season. Tom Dravojevic is now going to be out for at least four weeks. <laughs> Can the Seagulls win without him? Don't know, but they, you know what? He's been pretty well contained this year, and they've been able to win two games. So, and they've had a tough draw too, the Seagulls. So, it'll be interesting to see how they go going forward. Saturday night game 
Looked like it was going to be a fairly competitive matchup there at Townsville between the Cowboys and the Roosters, and that proved not to be the case as the Roosters run roughshod over them. Um, Cowboys didn't look to be in the contest at all. 20 nil at half time to the Roosters ended up being 28 4 in the second half. Not sure whether it was the Roosters just eased off a bit or, or the Cowboys played a bit better. Cowboys had three guys sin bin in this game. So at three different times during the match, they were playing with 12 men. Now, we've spoken about this uh, being the case before uh, a few weeks ago on the last program I did for In League with the NRL. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty tough to play you know, three, three-eighths of the match. So it's almost half the match they played with only 12 men, having a man sent off in the 21st minute, then the 50th, and then the 71st. Um, I think the Roosters definitely got the rub of the green there the other night. I think they uh, definitely paid up their referees fees for this week. Um, and it was strange that some of the supporters were coming out during the week complaining, oh, yeah, well, we, we're the most penalised team in the NRL. Well, if you were watching the game the other night, you definitely were not. Sunday's two games were obliterations. Absolutely. The Storm played the Bulldogs down at Amy Park and the poor old Bulldogs who have bought big and have been talking big and looking to improve and saying that their defence has been an improvement this season. Well, they got blown away. 44 to zip. Eight tries to none. It was 16-0 at half time, but the second half they just ran right. Ryan Pappenhausen scored four damn tries and he also kicked six goals out of eight. For a pretty handy tally, personally. In fact, he beat the Bulldogs on his own. That second half was interesting in that the Bulldogs looked tired and the Storm just decided they were just going to throw the ball around and run hard, and that's exactly what they did. And that's what they do to the lesser teams in the comp, consistently every year. And the final game was the Eels and the Dragons, and up until halftime... There was nothing in this match at all. 12-8 at halftime. The Dragons got late try from Jack Bird in that first half and then a penalty goal, which actually put them into a point where you sort of thought, well, you know, there's still a chance of winning this game. And Parramatta did what they always did. They got out early, got to an early, and then they just suddenly decided, oh, well, we're in front, we're okay, we can just cruise now, and they just stop in attack and defence. However, the second half, they had a couple of things go right for them early in that second half, which helped. Nathan Brown scored in the 43rd minute, and then it was just uh, stacks on the mill, and it's let's throw the ball around and be the party earls, and a couple of their tries were just absolutely spectacular. And it's the kind of football that you want to watch, because it's exciting, and it's attacking football. Uh, you can't do that against all like the better teams. You, you can't generally play that way unless you set a platform. And the Eels did that against the Dragons the other night. Um, but who would have thought that it would finish up the way it did? Like I said, uh, it was 12-8 at halftime. 48-14 was the final score. Big win for the Eels. And now, here's this week's Talking Point. So this week, let's have a little bit of a talk about forward passes. And this has always been a problem in the game and I'm pretty sure I spoke about this last year and I'm pretty sure I'll speak about it again next year or whenever it comes up again but it was certainly interesting that Todd Payton who is the Cowboys coach brought it up after their um, loss (laughs) poor loss 
to the Roosters. And he more or less came out and said that, you know, the lesser teams seem to get forward passes called against them, but the teams that have been up the top of the ladder for a while seem to, that sometimes the referees tend to turn a blind eye to the forward passes, is more or less what he was saying. Uh, now, obviously, when you say that as a losing coach, it's always going to come out that um, you've got sour grapes, and I'm pretty sure that that's what the Roosters supporters came out thought, just thinking it was sour grapes, and that, again, they're the most penalised team in the competition, and they don't get any rub of the green at all or anything like that. You know, the weekly thing from Roosters supporters. But it is something you should look at, and if if you watch enough rugby league, I think it's it's... Look, it's, you don't want to come out and say that the referees are cheats and you don't want to come out and say that they're incompetent. But there are certain passages of play that occur in just about every game each week where certainly from the dummy half or first off the ruck, the short passes are absolutely going forward out of their hands. And it doesn't matter how they... People love to use the phrase, that's a flat pass. Well... No, it's not. A flat pass is not a ball that comes out and goes forward into the man who's running off you. That's a forward pass. And because the man is so close, the referee obviously is back on the line. The linesmen are at either side and they may have a blocked view. Then so many of these passes seem to get through that to us on television, watching from the higher cameras, we can see that it's definitely a forward pass. And, of course, as spectators on TV, we then get completely frustrated with the fact that this happens. Now, you all know when you're at the ground or when you're watching on TV and listening to the crowd, they're calling for forward passes too. And there's a big reaction. Now, obviously, at times, that's a biased home crowd saying something. But honestly, how often do you reckon that is? How often do you reckon that a crowd goes forward when it's not? Like they're just saying it because they just want something. None of them are saying that. They are all believing that the forward that the pass has gone forward. So that happens quite often in a game. And as I've said, on TV we can certainly see that happening a lot. And we're sitting on our lounges at home and we're yelling at forward and then having nothing done about it. Now there was an interesting article I read during the week that they're looking at getting technology to put on or in the balls that can, is like used with a GPS that will then be able to judge whether a ball has gone forward from a pass and be able to try and use that in the game. Now, that's going a bit too far. I mean, that's the effort that would require to have that happening and then go back and look at the the data and all that kind of stuff and judge the fact that a ball has gone forward in that situation is probably taking the technology aspect too far, I think, at this stage. Just from reading that article, that, that's what it felt like. But is there any other way that we can try and stop this from occurring or from having it feel like, and this is you know this is quite an honest thing from uh, spectators you know, and Sour grapes, sure, let's use that. But it honestly does believe, if you watch some of the players in the NRL passing the ball, you believe that they get away with it a lot with forward passes. And it's generally those top teams. Now, it's uh, Penrith with Coruscant, 
Um, you would say that the Storm, with any number of their people who play dummy half, who seem to get away with it a lot, uh, certainly the uh, Rabbitohs, um, because their hooker does the same thing. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to say the Roosters, but I'm also going to say the Eels too, because you can see Reed Marnie uh, and, and Mitch Moses, Dylan Brown. There are times when they're coming across the line and it's the short pass and it is definitely going forward out of the hands. Now, there are, I counted five times during the weekend, and that's just off the top of my head, where balls were thrown forward that were not called as forward passes. And they were blatantly obvious, and they should have been called. But they weren't. And they were all teams that you would consider have been up near the top for the last three or four years. And yet other teams, such as the Cowboys, um, such as the Titans, and certainly the Tigers, had had some passes called up that I would have thought were marginal and were not as bad as perhaps as some of those ones that the other teams got away with. Now... It's easy to say that, and I understand that you could use the other argument that's just saying, yeah, but you know, in the heat of the, the game, the pace of the game, and the teams that are getting away with it are because they're, they're playing faster than the other team. The other team's always going backwards, and it just feels like that because the game's so fast, there's no chance of picking up whether that's a forward pass or it just looks marginal to the referee, so they let it go. That's fine, but somehow we have to... St- Stop getting to the point where if you're looking at replays and we're going back to look at it, and I know they've said that they will not rule on forward passes in uh, going to the bunker and things like that, and I understand that part of it, but surely if someone throws a ball, a longer ball, and it's thrown from behind the 22 and the the player then catches the ball in front of the 22, you're not going to tell me that that's, oh, yeah, but that's just the way it comes out of their hands. That hasn't gone forward. It has gone forward. It has freaking well gone forward because there's one. There's a line there that's showing you that it's not going backwards. But what's happening next week? Alrighty, let's have a look at this weekend's games. This weekend's ends ends games. Starting off well, aren't I? Let's have a look at these weekend's games because I think there's some really interesting ones coming up now. Thursday night game, which most people would have said, no, I don't know is the Knights against the Seagulls. Now, Jake, uh, sorry, Jake, Tom Trebojevich is now out for four weeks. That really changes the way this game is up. It's uh, The Knights are at home. Um, they were terrible last week. They would have got a good kick up the ass from uh, Aaron O'Brien, uh, O'Brien. Far out. I think I'm trying to talk too quickly. Um, obviously, they would have been good talking to. The Seagulls have been okay, but that's a concerning injury for them. It changes the way I feel about it. I'm still going to pick the Seagulls because I'm going to pick them still on last year rather than this year. But you can't rule the Knights out, I don't think. Um, It's a big game for the Knights. They must win it to get their season back on track. And if the Seagulls don't win, then they're in sort of a little bit of problems too. So it's a big game. Let's hope that it's a good game. Friday, the 6pm game, uh, is the Warriors and the Cowboys. So that means that pretty much on Friday night, if you're thinking about going out for a drink early before the uh, the main game at 8 o'clock, you can avoid watching the football because does anyone really care about the Warriors against the Cowboys? 
Well, I guarantee you that they do because both these teams have had a similar start to the year. They both, neither of them were really considered as, as finals contenders. They've both had a couple of good wins that uh, were un, unpredicted, uh, were unlikely. And now whoever wins this game is going to go three and two and then they're suddenly looking a lot better than they could have been. Um, gee, it's really hard after last week. I think I'm going to have to go with the Warriors. Uh, it's at Redcliffe again, the Cowboys. That was a bad loss for them last week. And then they've got to get travel on the road. I don't know if they can back up for that either. The Friday 8 o'clock game, uh, the Broncos are back on a Friday night for everyone. Uh, so you can go, hooray, at Suncorp Stadium. They're up against the Roosters, another team that does anyone really want to watch unless you're a Roosters supporter. It's just not a great game, is it? It's not real. I'm, thank goodness the AFL's on, eh? Anyway, uh, the Broncos, as I said, started off with two wins and now have lost their last two. Roosters have been up and down so far, but they've had a tough run. Honestly, if the Roosters don't win this, there's something wrong, I think. And I think a loss for Brisbane again at home, losing three in a row, uh, puts Kevin Walters and his staff under an enormous amount of pressure again with all the uh, fans up there in Brisbane. Saturday, the 3 o'clock game. That's the buried game, remember? We always bury teams at 3 o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah, well, it's out at Wagga, and uh, it's the Raiders against the Storm, which in the last three or four years you would think would be a pretty fair contest. But the Storm are not playing in Canberra. They're playing at Wagga. Uh, so there'll be, no, there'll be no fear there for the Storm. And the Raiders have lost that advantage of being at home and the Raiders weren't great last week, and the Storm absolutely obliterated the Bulldogs. I'm guessing that the Storm are going to be thinking about doing something very, very similar to the Raiders. The 5.30 game is an interesting one. It's the Charity Shield boys. It's the Rabbitohs against the Dragons. Currently 13th against 15th. I don't think the Rabbitohs are travelling as bad as 13th, and I don't think the Dragons are travelling as bad as 15th. But they're lost last week, a couple of days ago, to the Eels, uh, was a bad one, and then somehow they've got to pick themselves up after that, and I'm not sure that they can do that. Whereas the Rabbitohs were pretty good in patches against the, the reigning champions, and I think that they will be able to uh, recover better and win that game against the Dragons. The 7.30 game on Saturday is the Titans against the Eels up there at Seabus Stadium. Um, look, to be honest, on paper and on form, you would say that the Eels should win this and win this comfortably. But it's not easy going up there to the Gold Coast, and the Eels have got to be a little bit careful. Uh, they've had not luck um, and not necessarily good fortune, but a couple of things have gone right, them, right for them in each of the games they've won for them to allow them to win. Uh, the Titans, as we said, started well this season, but they've really just sort of uh, eased off a little bit again, and they probably need to win. You know what? I'm going. I'm going to tip the upset. This is going to be my upset for the round. I'm going for the Titans. Uh, I'm going to pick them. Uh, they're paying three dollars on sports bet. I'm going to have a little wager on them, and uh, hopefully that will bring up the bickies. Sunday. Four o'clock, Channel 9 must be ecstatic with this game. The Sharks against the West Tigers. Now, we could talk about the Tigers all night, and it won't change anything that at the moment they are just a basket case, and they have little leadership, it seems. Uh, they can't do anything right on the field, 
and nothing goes right for them either. Whereas the Sharks have been okay without being tremendous so far. Uh, they've only lost the one game this season out of their first four. They're not going to lose this game because if they do, then there's going to be uh, some massive repercussions, I would think. I expect the Sharks to win, and I'm hoping that the Tigers put up a better performance. And the final game, the last game that gets buried, the 6-15 game on a Sunday, sees the Bulldogs taking on the Panthers out there at Cumberland Oval. But why are the Bulldogs playing at Combank Stadium? Far out. There's something going wrong when teams don't have a home ground anymore. Anyway, um, look, the Bulldogs were just woefully inept last weekend, uh, shown up like Matt Burton. He must have must be thinking like last year's playing in the centres outside Luai and Cleary and just having a ball and had a magnificent season. And this season he's playing five eighth with no halfback, no centres, uh, no hooker, and he's just standing there trying to get stuff done and can't do anything. <laughs> and I don't think it's going to be help playing against his old team because I think they're going to absolutely give it to him. Um, and if the Panthers don't win this by 40, I, I think there's probably something wrong up there at Penrith. So there you go. All righty, let's have a quick look at the ladder while we're here. Why not? So the Panthers are the only undefeated team so far, four from four, and they're on eight points. We then have the Storm, the Eels, and the Sharks making up the top four with three wins and one loss. We then have eight teams who are all two from two. So making up the top eight are the Cowboys, the Roosters, the Warriors, and the Knights on percentage. Percentage really doesn't matter at this time of the season, but it's there. And then you have the Titans, the Seagulls, the Broncos, and the Raiders. Now, all that's going to be shook up this weekend because a lot of those teams are playing each other. Then on one win, we have the Rabbitohs, who have had a tough run, uh, but uh, you expect they to start climbing up the ladder now. The Bulldogs and the Dragons... Um, both those teams, bad losses on the weekend, and they're really struggling. And then in last place, without a win, is the West Tigers. So we can see a little bit of a trend happening already. I think Bulldogs, Dragons, Tigers are already in areas where they're probably looking like ending up as the way they're playing at the moment. Unless things change, unless things all come together for them and they can start to fulfil their potential, as their coaches would say. Can't wait to see All right, this has been fun. I've enjoyed talking about footy again. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to me. And uh, I hope you'll come back for the next time that I get around to doing an in-league with the NRL. Cheers. And Grant's there. He passes infield for Courier. This will be incredible. Surinan charging, charging. They won't stop him. What a try. What a rugby league try in a grand final. You have been listening to... A Metal Cavern production.